0: I'm going to start off this morning by making a bold statement, okay? This morning, I am going to prove to you that the Bible is true. Like, you may come here, and you've got a pretty skeptical bent on all these religious things. You know, you showed up because you came to visit your family for Thanksgiving, and they invited you to come to church, and so you thought, well, I'll go, even though that's not really my thing. I promise you that within the next 60 seconds, I am going to get you to say to yourself, oh, my God, I believe the Bible. I am going to read to you a verse that is so true that even if you don't consider yourself a Christian, even if you never thought you would agree with anything in the Bible, you're going to be nodding your head and being like, hallelujah, amen, I got religion all of a sudden. Yeah, I promise. You ready for it? Are you ready for this verse? Here it is. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 2. The Bible says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Somebody give me a microphone so I can drop it. Wow. Oh, truer words have never been spoken, you guys. That is so absolutely true. And if you don't know that those words are true, it's because you don't have Facebook. If you have a Facebook account, you know that this proverb is dead on accurate. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing their own opinions. We see the truth of this proverb play out every day in our lives, don't we? We see it on social media, fools who have no interest in understanding anything at all, but they sure do delight in sharing their opinions. We see it on the news. My goodness. Have you noticed how the news has transitioned from reporting facts to giving opinions like talking heads and everybody doing analysis and things like that? Like with all due respect to them, it seems like a lot of them are fairly foolish and delight in airing their opinions. But it's not just in media. Have you ever been sitting at a coffee house in two, three tables away? You've heard somebody just go in off and you're like, oh my goodness, there's a fool who has no desire for understanding but delights in airing his own opinions. You hear this around your dinner table. Hopefully, you know, not too terribly often, but somebody gets fired up, they get going, and all of a sudden they're airing their opinion about anything and everything under the sun. It is difficult in our world today to go anywhere on planet earth and not hear someone sharing their opinion about something, isn't it? This verse describes our world so fully and so completely right now that I thought this has got to make it into our treatable tru- uh, Tweetable Truths rather uh, message series in October. It just captures so much of the things that we are seeing and experiencing right now. It's like the volume level around us is increasing, isn't it? It's like the the condescension and the complaining, all the criticism, it just keeps rising. When I say volume, I don't mean just like the, the intensity, that's certainly true, but even the quantity. It's just like everywhere you go right now, everybody's outraged over everything. To be quite frank with you, I've had to kind of cut out Facebook and Twitter over the last couple days. I love social media. I'm on it a lot, sometimes too much. And, And the truth is, it's just gotten so crazy and obnoxious that I can't even look at Facebook and Twitter. So I've taken a few days away from it. Like I'll post something every once in a while, but I just don't even scroll through my feed anymore. I don't go through and read everybody's tweets because everything seems so hostile. Everything seems so crazy and ratcheted up to the next level that honestly, I, can't, I just can't take it. Like, I'm glad that Instagram is still pictures of cats and lattes because at least I've got somewhere to go to get away from all of this. If you're not on Instagram, that's what you're missing out on, you guys. Not the pictures of cats and lattes, you're missing out on people not talking about politics. I, I just can't take it. And so I've had to, to cut back, to cut out because everybody, seems up and outraged about stuff, you know? Like in my Facebook feed, you guys probably know that I'm from the US. And so there's a lot of stuff happening back there right now. And so I've got friends who are like outraged that this group is taking a knee during the national anthem. And then other people are weighing in on their posts and they're outraged that the first group is not outraged about the things that they're outraged about. And then I find myself here in Canada outraged at all their outrage. I'm just like, ah, it's too much. And then we've got this local election going on here in Calgary, right? This will be over soon, which is quite nice, about another week or so. And uh, I've got half of my Facebook feed, at least for my Canadian friends, who are like, Nenshi is the greatest mayor that ever mayored in any city that had a mayor, you know? That's kind of how it reads anyway. And then I've got other people that are like, no way, Nenshi's evil, I think he euthanizes puppies himself at the shelter downstairs. And I'm like, guys, why are we so extreme? Why does it have to be the greatest or the worst? Not everything can be the greatest. Not everything can be the worst of all time. And yet that's the language that we consistently see over and over again. You throw in Trump in a mass shooting and seriously, like, I'm just like, I'm gonna lose everybody. I'm just gonna cut everybody out. It'll be me and my wife. I'll have two friends on my Facebook list and that's it because that's all I can take anymore. There are too many people that have no delight in understanding or no interest in understanding. They take no pleasure in it, but they sure are happy to air their opinions. Now, it would be great if we could blame this all on the Americans, you know? That would be really nice because it seems like they've got a lot going on down there. They're stirring up the pot quite a bit. And a lot of the controversy seems to be emanating from south of the border. So it would be great if we could just say, well, that's their problem. It's their fault. They're the ones who are causing the trouble. But in truth, those of us who are in Canada are not much better. Have you guys considered the fact that we get really worked up over stuff that's not even happening in our country? On some level, I think that might be worse. Like you're just as up in arms about some of the things that are going on in the US and it's not even your country. It doesn't even affect you. This isn't national though. I want you to understand that we're going to talk a lot about politics this morning. Um, We're going to talk a lot about the culture and the climate and the conversations that are going on. But I want you to understand, I'm not just talking about the national or international level. I'm talking about the stuff that happens every single day in your office. I'm talking about the conversations that happen every single day on the bus or, you know, between you and your friends. I'm talking about the big stuff, but I'm also talking about the stuff that happens day to day between you and the people around you. It just seems like everything in our world is, is creating this negative, toxic, dysfunctional climate, doesn't it, where People are talking at each other, but we've lost the ability to talk with and to each other. The good news is, you guys, the Bible gives us a different way. It really does. When we see the world stirring up and boiling over and flaring up in anger that turns into violence and people are airing their opinions in every channel imaginable, the scripture actually gives us a different, and I promise you it's a better way of relating to one another and handling the difficult conversations that we need to have each and every day. God gives us a better way. According to the proverb that we just read, Proverbs chapter number 18, verse two, and then several others that we're going to read throughout this morning, we have an opportunity to change the culture, you and I me and you. It's not up to the news. It's not up to the, to the bigots and racists in our city to change their ways. It's not up to the political parties that we don't agree with. It is up to you and to me to change the tone of our culture. And what the Bible teaches, what I hope to show you this morning, is that we have the opportunity to change the tone of our culture by changing the tone of our conversations. This is what the scripture teaches. If we choose to change the way that we talk to one another, about one another, about the issues that we face, about the things that we agree with and the things we disagree with, about the people that we love and the people we can't stand. If we can follow the Bible's wisdom in this, I promise you, this is no hyperbole. It's no exaggeration. It genuinely has the power to transform our culture. If you don't believe me, let me point out that it was conversations that changed our culture in the first place. It was the, the tone of the way that we dealt with one another and dealt with situations that caused us to turn to change from debating and discussing issues to demonizing people. It was conversation that did that. And so conversation has the power to change us back to a more productive way of relating to each other and hopefully seeing the progress that we all want in our world. So this morning, this is going to be big and overarching, but I don't want you to fail to apply this to your own life in the individual conversations you have, because genuinely it really does apply to both. Now, if we were to bring in our proverb from last week, the proverb from last week, I'll just you know, rehearse it for you real quick. Um, it said that uh, a, a wise person or a prudent person sees danger and takes refuge, but a fool keeps going and suffers harm. I think we can apply that proverb even to this conversation we're having today, that a wise person sees the direction that our culture is headed. A wise person will see the direction that your family is going based on the conversations that are happening via text message or around the dinner table or whatever it might be. A wise person will see where all of this is leading us and choose to change course rather than keep going and to suffer the consequences of continuing down that same path. If we don't change our direction, if you and I don't start talking differently to one another and about one another, if we don't change the tone, we are going to be in real trouble. Because already we see that our culture is losing its sense of humility, isn't it? We are losing our sense of humility as people, losing the ability to view ourselves rightly in relation to everybody else and relation and in relation to God. We're losing that capability, you guys. It is slipping away. Can I ask you a question? When did everybody come to believe that their opinion needed to be heard? When did everybody, I'm talking to me, I'm talking to you. When did we all come to believe that every opinion we have needs to be heard? Have you ever had somebody just come into your life and boom, they start offering unsolicited and unwelcome advice? you're like, I did not ask you how to raise my kid. Thank you very much. Okay. I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask you to correct my grammar. All right. Let it be. My goodness. Why do you have to give me your opinion on everything that happens? Everybody feels like they've got to offer their opinion. Somebody asks a question online. Maybe you've seen this like on Facebook or something. They ask a question, three, four, five people will jump in and all give the same and correct answer. And after this the same correct answer has been given four or five times, people will give the same answer 10 more times. And it's like, I think the question was answered, but we have this need to give our opinion, to give the answer, to be right, to put our words out there and be validated by people. We have this desire, every single one of us to say what we think at every opportunity we possibly can. I don't know, maybe you know somebody who has this like tendency to turn conversations to the same subject every single time you talk to them. Maybe they're like a part of your family and you're dreading having Thanksgiving with them because every time you talk to them, they are so happy to blame the ills of the world on the opposing political party. You know, it's always their fault. If they were not in control, then we wouldn't have the issues and problems that we have in our world maybe you've got people and um, it's not so much like the opposing political party. Maybe they're religious people and they mean well. And they're like, you know, the problem is people just don't have faith anymore. If they just had faith like we used to, then everything would be okay. That's the single issue. Or you got those people who are like, you know, every problem we have is because of GMOs, right? Like every single thing that is wrong with our world is because of food dyes and modified organisms. And that's it. If we could just get that right, then everybody would be okay. We'd have a utopia. It's like, we've got our opinions about our pet projects and issues and things like that. And we feel like, I got to let people know. I got to tell them. I got to get my words out there so that people can hear. And then they'll know. They'll finally have the answers. But you know, the scripture tells us that our issues are a little bit deeper than that, you guys. It's a little bit deeper than just GMOs. It's a little bit deeper than who's in charge of the government right now. Our issues go deeper than that. And because we have this amazing ability, and I love it, I think it's great, we have this amazing ability to Google anything, right? We feel like I've got all the information that I could ever possibly need. And because of social media, I've got all of these channels to put my words and my opinion out there. Pretty soon, everybody's talking and nobody's listening. It leads us to a point where we think, okay, I have all the information I need. I have plenty of places I can go and disseminate, share, teach people this information. And we lose the capability to evaluate ourselves correctly and with humility and to to remind ourselves that we could be wrong, you guys. You could be wrong about the things you believe. I could be wrong about the things that I believe. The preferences that I hold so dearly, the things that I'd be willing to fight over, I've got to recognize that I could actually be wrong about those things. And I've got to carry a sense of humility with me at all times, or pretty soon I am going to position myself as God. I'm going to position myself as the expert. I've got the information that the world needs in order to be right again. And that is a dangerous place for any of us to be. Can I read you a, another verse here from the book of Proverbs? We'll put it here on the screen. It's Proverbs chapter number 26. We're gonna be in Proverbs 26 for a couple of weeks this month because it's one of the coolest passages, coolest chapters in the book of Proverbs. The scripture says, do you see a person who is wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for that person. Why is that? Because if we think we have all the information, if you and I think we know what's right and good and best at all times, then we will never reevaluate. We will never think, oh, I could be wrong. A foolish person at some point has the potential to look up and be like, dang, I'm foolish. I am dumb. I am ignorant. I need to get some education. I need to stop talking and learn what it is that I want to discuss. But somebody who's wise in their own eyes, man, they'll just rattle on forever about it and they'll never stop to think, wait a sec. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's more to this situation than I know about. And maybe, just maybe, I should stop talking and start listening for just a little while. The scripture says, do you see a person that's wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for that person. Look, this this is the, the story of the book of Job. If you're unfamiliar with the book of Job, it's like this very interesting story about a guy whose life collapses. He loses everything, right? And his friends come along after his life has collapsed, his family dies, like his business falls apart, like everything just goes south. And his friends come along and they sit with him, not to bring him comfort, but instead to give him their opinion. It's what it is. The whole book of Job is basically about friends telling Job, well, you know, this is why this happened, because you did this and because you did that and because now God is angry with you. And so he has repaid you for all the things that you did. And then we get to the end of the book of Job and you know what happens? God enters the conversation. And you know what we find out? All the friends who had been sharing their opinions were wrong. God did not let these things happen in Job's life because Job screwed up. He had other reasons altogether. And these guys had to be confronted with the fact that their opinions were not right. They were wrong. They were certain they were right, but they turned out to be wrong. We have got to retain a sense of humility, especially if we are followers of Jesus. We have got to be careful that we do not make idols out of our information, that the knowledge we have access to today does not take the place of God in our lives. It is wonderful to go to Wikipedia and get information on anything under the sun. That's a good thing. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But don't ever let your access to information to lead you to believe that you are infallible. Or you can never be wrong on the things that you're talking about, okay? We have got to retain this sense of humility in our hearts and in our lives. We've got to acknowledge the fact that we do not have all the answers. We don't even have all the questions, you guys. We don't even know the right questions to ask. And yet we're spouting off answers all the time time, okay? Don't make an idol of your opinion. Leave room for mystery. Leave room for you to change and grow as you gain more information. Now, throughout the message this morning, I'm going to be giving you some specific ways that you can change the tone, both at your home, maybe in your office. We can do this online. We can do this nationally, all right? If we start to do some of these things, then the tone will change. And If we change the tone of our conversations, we'll change the tone of our culture. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn to value questions more than answers. Or if I'm going to practice what I preach here, let me put it like this um, What would happen? If we valued questions more than answers, see what I did there, I had to rephrase it. Like, what if we chose to value good questions instead of pat answers? Like, from a political standpoint, from a social standpoint, from a religious standpoint, like, what if we got comfortable with good questions even if they didn't have easy answers? Even if there was no simple way to wrap it all up nicely and say, this is how we move forward, what if we just chose... To value the good questions as opposed to the good answers. This is what Jesus did, you guys. Jesus valued questions more than answers. If you read the life of Jesus in the Gospels, you know what happens? People ask him questions all the time, and in response, he doesn't give them answers. He gives them more questions. And they get frustrated. They're like, seriously, I just wanted you to tell me, Jesus. Like, what's the answer to my problem? And instead, he asks questions because questions remind us that we don't have all the answers. We have to dig, we have to search them out, and We retain a sense of humility when we choose to value questions over our ability to give answers. So, do that. Draw them into conversation instead of just saying, Well, I'm the expert, and here's the information you need. We are losing our sense of humility in our world. We're also losing our sense of humanity, too. We are losing our sense of humanity. Do you notice how the, the debate and discussion has just gotten ugly lately, right? It's stopped being about issues and it started being about people. We have demonized one another, those who disagree with us. We draw battle lines in the sand over big stuff and little stuff, over silly, petty things that don't even matter. We're drawing these battle lines and we're saying, anybody who's not on my side of this line is not just my opponent, they are my enemy. We start to tell ourselves stories about the people who are on the opposite side of the aisle or the people who are on the other side of the relationship. We say things like, Oh, they are so ignorant. My gosh, how can they even stand themselves? They're so ignorant. They're so lazy. Don't you know this is your fault? You're lazy. That's why you're dealing with all of this stuff. And then we transition and we say, ooh, they're evil. That's just an evil person right there. And then we move on and we say, the world would be better off without those sorts of people, right? And all of a sudden, it stops being about the issues and it starts being about the people. We create enemies. We demonize one another. And then we wonder why we can't ever have conversations in our world, No doubt, it's not surprising. Let me show you what the book of James says. James chapter number three, uh, the scripture says this, out of the same mouth come praises and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. With our tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And then with the same tongue, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness or in his image. See, as we polarize, we end up cursing. We end up becoming critical of people and not just the stances that they take. And all of a sudden, there are enemies and we are cursing them as if they're less than us. We are better than they are. And the entire time for thousands of years God has said to us, no 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 no. They are created in my image, just like you are created in my image. They're no less valuable in the world just because they disagree with you. They're no more evil simply because you two are on different sides of the political spectrum or the social spectrum or whatever it might be. We have got to get away from demonizing one another, especially if we call ourselves Christians. Because the scripture says we should not curse people who are created in God's image on Monday through Saturday, then show up Sunday and we're like, God, I love you. No, you don't love the people who bear his image. If you don't love them, you don't love God, period. If you doubt me, go read the book of 1 John. That's the whole point of the book. If you don't love people, then you cannot love God. We are called to retain our sense of humanity, to recognize that the NDP is not our enemy. Oh, man, he got specific. Dang. Your classmate is not your enemy. I don't care if they give you a hard time about your faith and they tell you it's stupid for you to believe and blah, blah, blah. They're not your enemy. Your neighbor who keeps parking in front of your driveway every single... They're not your enemy, you guys. Stop demonizing everybody. Do you realize how nutty it is that we demonize the people who bear the image of God? It is impossible for them to be demons or to be demonized. They bear the image of God. They are your brothers and sisters in this world. And we are called to love them and serve them, not kill them, not cut them off, not run them out, not get rid of them. Christians have a unique opportunity here because we believe that every single person, regardless of their race or language or sexual orientation or gender or whatever, we believe they all bear the image of God. Now, the image of God is marred. It is strained in all of us to varying degrees. But at its most fundamental level, the people you hate most are loved most by God. And until you love them, you are not like God. We've lost our sense of humility. We think we're always right. We've lost our sense of humanity. And my brothers and sisters, these things should not be so. So let me give you another thing that you can work on, a way to change the tone, so to speak. Christians have this opportunity when the world is like, it is us or them. We're gonna win, they're gonna lose, period, end of story. Everybody's taking sides, you choose. When the world demands us to pick us or them, Christians say, no, 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 we live us for them. It is us for them. We are for everyone. I will fight for the rights of people that I sincerely disagree with because I believe they are created in the image of God. They have dignity, they have worth, they have value. I'm not going to demonize them even if I significantly disagree with them because I don't think they're evil people. I think they're good people who are trying to do the best they can exactly as I am. This is why Jesus says that one of the most important things we can do is to love our neighbor as ourselves. We have an opportunity to change the tone of culture by changing the tone of our conversations, the way that we speak about the people that we disagree with. And then the last thing I'll point out is that we really are not only losing the sense of of humility and humanity, we're losing the sense of the holy in our world. We are losing a sense, especially as Christians, that our lives are not meant to point towards temporary and earthly things. Our lives are meant to point towards something much deeper, something much greater than the the, the political issues of our day or the social problems that we see around us. We've got to be careful that we don't waste our influence on things that'll only be around for a few years, we have the opportunity to use our influence to point people towards the things that will last forever. If you go to the book of 2 Timothy, you read there in 2 Timothy chapter number two, the scripture says this, man, I wish we would take this to heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they only produce quarreling. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach, not resentful. Their opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. You see, our deepest needs, the deepest needs in our world are spiritual. They're not political. They're not social. They're not even relational. The deepest needs in our world are spiritual. And too many Christians waste their influence on earthly, temporary things that aren't going to be around long enough for it to matter. Instead, we have the opportunity to point uh, other people through our lives, not to a political party, not to a social stance, not towards our way of living, but instead to point them towards Jesus. This doesn't mean you can't have an opinion on whether we should have a new stadium or whether or not there should be gun control in some other country in the world. You can have your opinion on all of those things, but don't use all of your influence... To get people to jump on your side for that particular issue, and then lose the opportunity to point people towards Jesus who can satisfy the true needs inside of their heart and life. I'll tell you a story of someone that many of you know, I will not share her name, but she's been here more times than I can possibly count. And she has essentially written off Christianity not because she has an issue with Jesus, not because Connect has treated her poorly, we have not in any way, shape or form, but she has written off faith because her in-laws are Christians and her in-laws have so tied Jesus to a particular political and social ideology that she can't separate the two anymore. She assumes that Jesus is conservative. She assumes that Jesus would vote this way and hate these sorts of people. And she can't separate the two because they have used every ounce of influence to convince her that this is what it means to be a Christian. Bullcrap. That's not it at all. My goodness, we are fighting the same battles the world's fighting. We're fighting the same way the world is fighting and our church is losing ground in the world. Why? Because we're not showing people a better way. We're showing them the same way they see every other place they look. So let me encourage you to do this. Use your influence to point people towards Jesus rather than your personal preferences. Point them towards Jesus. Don't spend all of your time debating issues and policies and governments and parties. And my goodness, you guys, use your influence to point people towards Jesus. One verse, I'm going to pray and we're done. Read this. Imagine what would happen if we did this. If every Christian, if every person, but if every Christian were to just put this one verse into practice, can you imagine how different our world would be Can you imagine how different social media would be? How different the news would be? How different conversations at a coffee shop would be? Can you imagine how different it would be at the Thanksgiving table? If everybody were to take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Mom, what would happen in your home If you started to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Husbands, how might things change if you started to become quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry? What do you think the political climate would be if all of our candidates decided they were going to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry? What do you think would happen if we stopped letting the media and the news get us all riled up over crap that may not even matter? There's some things that matter, but some of it doesn't, and they get us all fired up because it feeds their ratings and it boosts their algorithms on social media and all that stuff, and the whole time God is saying, I I put you on this planet for something more than this. I gave you influence to be used for a deeper reason than this. I pray, man, I pray this is true in my life and in yours as well, that every one of us would be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because right now, the path we're on is leading us to a loss of humility, a loss of humanity, and a loss of the holiness that God wants us to experience as his people.